Eric Roberts is a fucking man He's the greatest fucking actor since acting began We should give him every medal, every trophy and award He's the greatest fucking actor that you've ever seen or ever heard Greetings and salutations. It's episode number 20 of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, the only Eric Roberts related podcast that regularly tells its listening audience how much it loves them. Hey, we love you. I'm Doug Tilly, and the reason we're so filled with love for this episode is that we're recording this just a few days after Valentine's Day. Yes, the lovingest time of the whole year. Uh, and with me, as always, for this celebration of the heart is Mr. Liam O'Donnell. Liam, how are you today? I'm freaking great. You know, Liam, you say that, but before we started recording, you mentioned to me that you're not feeling great at all. It's true. I Yesterday I got sick in a completely unexplainable way, which I des- if I were to describe would probably cost you your listenership. So let's just go well, ahead. Well, no one listens say... to this podcast, so just go <laughs> ahead. It was it was gross. It was it was gross. And uh and I have no idea why and then it passed and then I was fine. So today, you know, I don't feel sick anymore, but I'm just worn out after a day of uh losing my lunch. Right. And it's it's funny you say that. I mean, it's not funny that you're feeling ill, but it's funny you say that because for long-time listeners who are used to my dulcet tones, on Eric Roberts is the fucking man. They may notice <laughs> that I'm currently suffering with a cold. Yeah, I can hear it in your voice. I wasn't going to say anything because I know you're a professional. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad you yeah, brought it up. I'm also very sensitive about that, so I appreciate you not bringing it up. But uh, but yeah, no, I do have a cold today, uh, and it means uh, you know n- normally Liam, right now I b- would be following up my professions of love by actually you know trying to make kissy noises at you, but I'm not going to do that. I'm going to save you the illness that I have because you're already dealing with your own. That's fair. <laughs> Are you eating something, Liam? No, of course not. <laughs> Oh, well, Liam, how did you spend Valentine's Day? I actually went to the movies with my wife. We went and saw a uh, double feature, Deadpool and Hail Caesar. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> who did Eric Roberts play in Hail Caesar? Um, um, we'll come I, back to you on that one. I think he was the third dancer in the dance scene. Oh, I see. (laughs) Moving on up. Well, today we are here to talk about Eric Roberts, not Deadpool, not Hail Caesar. We're here to talk solely about Eric Roberts, but we're also talking about love. And what better person to help us celebrate the affairs of the heart than a writer of romance? Yes, our guest today is a romance novelist whose latest novel, The 13th Earl, will be available to purchase this March, March 2016. You might know her by the name Evelyn Price, where her first novel, A Man Above Reproach, won the 2013 Amazon Breakthrough Novel Award in Romance, but we know her as Kristen Ross. Hello, Kristen. Hi. Kristen, what makes a good romance? Oh, gosh. Well, I guess it depends on who you are. Mm -hmm. Um, There are a lot of tropes to draw from, but the reason why romance is awesome is because it's a huge genre, so whatever you're into, you can find something. Well, I'm Doug Tilly, and I'm a Canadian, and I love Eric Roberts. So what would be the key for me finding uh, romance? There are hockey romances. What is that supposed to mean? There really are. <laughs> there are romances about hockey players. Mm-hmm. And um, maple syrup? I, there might be. I don't know. But I don't think there are any Eric Roberts romances. So maybe we found a hole that we need to fill. Maybe I could write one. 
Well, there's a hole I'd like to fill on Eric Roberts. <laughs> His butthole. Oh, I'm glad you got specific. I was like, <laughs> that, of course, isn't true. I've created a podcast about Eric Roberts. Not because I have weird fantasies about having sex with him, but because I love his work, just like you, Liam, right? Oh, I mean, I, I don't think those are mutually exclusive things. That's a fair. That's a very fair point. Uh, but uh, we did make a blood oath, of course, to cover the entire works of Eric Roberts. Now, that does bring to mind to me, Kristen, what is your lifelong experience with Eric Roberts? Uh, not much. Mm. I mean, of course I know of him, because how could you not know who Eric Roberts is? But oh, it happens. Basically, Star 80... And I'm sure there are other things, but not like there wasn't a moment where I was like, where I realized that I didn't know Eric Roberts. I mm -hmm. think I might feel like I always have known him. Star 80, one of the great romances. <laughs> yes. <laughs> one of the great romances of all time. Well, that might not have been one of the great romances. In fact, it might have been really tragic. But today, because we do have an expert on romance with us. We are going to be talking about two incredibly romantic Eric Roberts movies and ones that were made for the Lifetime Television Network, which my understanding, Liam, is that's its television network in the United States. Oh, sure, sure, sure. And they're known for making high-quality, made-for-television movies about uh, uh, sometimes controversial subjects. Mm, yes. Uh, I mean, let's, let's – I think you're being loo uh, loose with the definition of high-quality, but sure. Oh, okay. Well, maybe we'll get to that a little bit later. Kristen, so you've seen Star 80. You don't know a time in your life when you weren't aware of Eric Roberts. What were your expectations going into watching these two movies today? I Well, just from Lifetime's reputation, I had the expectation that they would be weird. Um, but not not much else. I know Eric Roberts is a fantastic actor, so I expected that I would enjoy them. But I didn't expect how I felt about at least one of them. Hmm. A little preview of her feelings that we'll go into in just a little bit. Uh, now, Kristen, I do also want to ask you about your upcoming novel, The 13th Earl. What is this all about? Oh, The 13th Earl is my second novel, and it is a Victorian gothic and it's about sandes and smooches. Oh. It's how pretty awesome. How many smooches, if I may ask? Um, okay, hold on. One, two, three. Moochas smooches. Yes, there we go. That works. <laughs> the 13th oh, Earl. I would say. You know, we'll, we'll do some plugging at the end of the episode, but if I wanted to pick up the 13th Earl, how would I go about doing that? The easiest way would just be to log into Amazon and order it from there. Amazon. But um, you can also, it's also on Barnes and Noble, so you can get it everywhere online and it'll be in some stores, but probably not in Canada. Not in Canada? Not yet, at least. Not yet, at least. <laughs> but yes, we will keep our eyes and ears open for the release of the 13th Earl in March. But right now, we have to, not, I was going to say we're going to move on to more important things. Of course, it's not more important. It's just different because we have to move on to uh, the Roberts Report. There is so much Eric Roberts news on this week's Roberts Report that I can't stand it. Out this month from Indican Pictures is Jim Lane and Eric Troop's Deadly Famous. From the press release, it says that Jackie Moore from a movie called Pernicious, which I've never heard of, joins Oscar nominee Eric Roberts from The Human Centipede 3, his most famous <laughs> role, 
In Jim Lane and Eric Troop's sexy and frightening hand grenade of spine-chilling suspense and intrigue, hiding Ooh. under a mask of collected sanity, Alan is an aging actor with a serious serial-killing hobby. His dark, reclusive world is blown open when a young, bubbly blonde moves in as a roommate. Her presence soon begins to further shake Alan's already twisted psyche. Now, if you heard that uh, description, that plot description, you might think that the older actor might be played by Mr. Eric Roberts. But according to the Internet Movie Database, Eric Roberts is playing a character named, you guessed it, Eric Roberts in the movie. I think he's playing himself. So uh, that sounds like a movie that is going to exist. What do you think, Liam? Is that the definition almost of a cameo when you play yourself in a movie like that? He did play himself in The Cable Guy briefly, but he also played a role and he played himself in, well, actually in a number of different movies. Maybe you're right. He played himself on an episode of Entourage, which, of course, we'll eventually have to cover. Uh, We can hold off for that one. I can't wait. Yikes. (laughs) Kristen, would you watch a movie called Deadly Famous? I'm going to go with no, probably hmm. not. Probably not. Well, I mean, that is that 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 I think is a quick judgment that you've made there. But what if I told you this? What if I told you that the movie will be available on video on demand at some point in this month, February of 2016? The description sounds like somebody wrote it. It sounds like one of these Lifetime movies, to be honest. It does. It does really kind of sound like that. Well, maybe it will reach the quality of the Lifetime movies that we're going to be talking about today. But yes, keep your eyes open for Deadly Famous coming soon to a video-on-demand location near you. Now, this is exciting. From executive producer Ken Jong comes a bromantic dramedy... <laughs> That follows a group of ball-busting, hard-partying friends wrestling with their evolution into adulthood. Oh, that's never been done before. I know. This is an original concept. Well, get this. As their individual struggles come to light, the group bands together in Koreatown and through late nights at seedy after-hours soju bars, karaoke, drinking, girls, and even a stint in jail, each emerges as a better version of himself. Yes, it's K-Town Cowboys, which almost... Certainly has to be better than it sounds. Uh, yeah, I um, I can't count myself among the fans of Ken Jeong, and I also don't enjoy the Hangover movies, which this sounds very much like. Uh, but there is something really exciting about this. Do you want to hear it? Of course. Okay, I was just speaking like generally to the audience, but thank you. Uh, <laughs> the the exciting playing the part of the audience. Well, I I I am glad that we have. Well, well, then where's my round of applause? Excellent. The exciting thing about K-Town Cowboys is that it features a reunion of the stars from the uh, Best of the Best movies 1 and 2, Simon Rhee and Eric Roberts in cameos. Best of the Best reunion. What do you think about that, Liam O'Donnell? Oh, I am so stoked on that. Though, it's not a real reunion, right? We're missing one of the most important people in those movies. Even if his character died in the second one, they could have brought him back as like a Yoda-style ghost or something. Well, the unfortunate thing, of course, is that not only did his character die, but he went ahead and died in real life, which probably uh, put a little bit of a wrench in having him be in this movie. Uh, This is why they invented hologram technology. If Tupac can play a concert, you can get him back. Liam, I retract my entire argument. Would you, (laughs) Kristen, watch a movie called K-Town Cowboys? You know, this all kind of sounds like Latin to me, and I don't even know what Best of the Best is. What? Yeah. It's your favorite Eric Roberts movie. I'm pretty sure you said that at the beginning of the show. (laughs) Uh, Best of the Best is a a late 
uh, 80s, early 90s action franchise starring Eric Roberts and Philip Ree as kickboxers or um, some sort of martial arts experts that we've covered two of the entries on this very show, the only two entries in that series which feature Eric Roberts. Uh, but yes, it's perfectly okay that you're not um, uh, aware of that series existing because it's fun but it isn't Star 80. I'll give you, I'll give you that. But it says here that K-Town Cowboys is an entourage-esque comedy. Does that seal the deal for you, Kristen? Um, if you mean by seal the deal that I definitely won't be watching it now, then probably. Well, before you make your final decision... This is like a good way for me to weed out things. <laughs> well, before you make your final decision, let me add that it's also, according to this press release, filled with great performances, comedy, and heart. What do you think? I like all of those things. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe if there was a bit of romance involved, that would get you on board. But romance is involved in everything. That's a good point. Mm. Uh, Kristen, I once read that scholarship is the enemy of romance. Is that true? Oh, I think that's complete bullshit. Mm. Where did you read that? I think I read it on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> well, as you know from Fatal Desire, nobody ever tells the truth on the internet. That's a very good point. Well, if you Spoiler. do, if you were are one of those people who... From that description of K-Town Cowboys, it made you want to go see it. Well, you'll soon have your opportunity because on March 18th, 2016, it will have a limited theatrical release, which will not be coming to where I live. I can tell you that much. But then we'll have a nationwide VOD release on the 25th of March. Barely a month from now, maybe even just a month from when you're listening to this, you'll be able to see K-Town Cowboys on VOD. It's like an Eric Roberts explosion out there today. I know it has me excited. You know, also from Indican Pictures, which is something that absolutely exists, comes the dystopian post-apocalyptic sci-fi film The Sector. Now, The Sector, which has, by the way, a all-star cast. I mean, let me just list some of these names. Richard Tyson from Kindergarten Cop. Lance Henriksen from that movie that we covered on this show, which his name I can't remember, but I do remember that it was directed by a pedophile. Clarence <laughs> Gilliard Jr. Eric Roberts. And John what? Wesley Shipp from the original version of the television Flash show. And now he plays, I think, the father on the current The Flash TV series. As well as Vernon Wells from The Road Warrior, uh, who also appears in Cowboys vs. Dinosaurs featuring <coughs> Eric Roberts. Let me tell you a little bit about The Sector. In a dystopian world, a bounty hunter sets out to capture a ruthless bound of outlaws who have kidnapped an important father and daughter through a world of multiverses. A world of multiverses. Unbeknownst to the outlaws and the bounty hunter, another more powerful man known only as the finisher has plans of his own. Kristen, are you a fan of post-apocalyptic work, uh, whether it be in literature or film? I mean, sure. I live in America, so... Soon to be post-apocalyptic. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) What did you think of this, uh, that uh, Mad Max Fury Road movie? I love Fury Road. I love road so much this sounds like this could be just as good as fury road don't you think um sure i mean the the name the finisher has potential yeah there's a character named the finisher though the movie is called the sector does that sound like something that would appeal to you um uh, sure let's go with yeah just liam the sector be- uh the, you know i was on board that the cast Awesome. It's a post-apocalyptic with Eric Roberts. Sounds cool. It's actually when we got to the name The Finisher <laughs> that I got a little concerned. Well, and explain your concern to me. The Finisher? What is? I don't know. No he thing. finishes things. He's like the Punisher, right? 
sure. I mean, he sounds like the Beyonder, which is just as ridiculous as a name, but in a well, context. it does involve multiverses, and boy, we're yeah. getting nerdy now, aren't we? Yeah, no, exactly. Well, that's what I'm saying. This sounds like a plot of a comic book that someone tells you about, and you go, I don't know, maybe, maybe I'll give that a try. Maybe but give it a try. Think of Mortal Kombat seriously. Oh, that's right. Finish him. Yes. Animality, babality, <laughs> etc. Uh, but yes, uh, The Sector coming soon. Uh, in fact, they just released the poster, which you can take a look at in the show notes for today's show. Guess what's happening on Monday, February 29th, Liam O'Donnell and Kristen Ross? Something Eric Roberts related? Correct. On the television show Scorpion, which is apparently a show that exists on CBS that I've never heard of before, <laughs> Eric Roberts is making an appearance. <laughs> Eric Roberts, who's listed as ex-Ted Bancroft from Another World. <laughs> He plays Mick, an old friend of Cabe's. Cabe played by Robert Patrick on the television show Scorpion, which I guess is on CBS. Liam, are you aware of the show Scorpion? I literally have never heard of it before in my life. Does it sound like I'm making it up? It actually literally does sound like you're making it up. Doesn't it sound like a movie, uh, sorry, a television show that existed maybe in like 1996 that was on like the USA Network? Scorpion with Robert Patrick. Yeah. Hmm. Well, the the question is, is Scorpion a just a bounty hunter, or is he a bounty hunter who rides a motorcycle? That's a, that is an excellent question. Uh, Kristen, can you shed any light on Scorpion? I was actually going to ask if you guys have to watch Another World. Is oh, that yes. included in the Blood Oath? Now this, yes. Oh, oh, Kristen, come on. Uh, but um, <laughs> the Blood Oath covers all Eric Roberts-related media, including television, movies, podcasts, and, uh, and of course, uh, music videos <laughs> wow. and all other things. If he writes a book, we got to read that book. Liam is looking forward to him writing a book right now. But, of course, we're going to have to watch those episodes of Another World. Though I will tell you from having searched, it's really difficult to find, like, five-year-old episodes of a daily soap opera like that. Even if, you, even if you wander around, like, Another World message boards, which I have done, uh, it's really hard to do that. But – if I have to write to whatever station Another World was on or is on to try to get a copy of these episodes, that's what I'll do because we made a blood oath. Right, Liam? I'm so in over my head. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Kristen, what television shows do you enjoy watching? Uh, let's see. Lately, there hasn't been much. Um, I really like Penn and Teller's Fool Us. That's interesting. Is that because it agrees with your own libertarian leanings? Um, maybe not so much. Mm-hmm. I just really love magic. Fair enough. <laughs> I love Penn and Teller, but I try not to think so much about their politics. Um, I think that that's best when you're trying to enjoy art. <laughs> What's the most romantic television show? Oh, gosh. There's not, not right now, but Parks and Rec was really, really romantic. I thought so. Yeah, and I know that people would be like, oh, it's a comedy. But no, that's it. It wouldn't have been as great without the romance at the base of it. That's, that is an expert opinion about Parks and Recreation, available to watch on Netflix right now, but not featuring Mr. Eric Roberts. But guess what is featuring Mr. Eric Roberts? The cast, <laughs> the cast of Someone Dies Tonight, which will be, be, begin filming in Croatia in March. The film is about a young Greek-German woman who comes to Crete to celebrate her birthday uh, and has an international cast, including actors from Croatia and Romania, as you might expect, actually. Um, As one of the producers said, I'm sure this is the first time that an international thriller has been filmed in Croatia, and I'm convinced it will open doors for the film industry in Croatia for future projects. Eric Roberts going to Croatia. What do you think about that, Kristen? 
I think it's really nice that he's building bridges. He, you know, he does work all over the world. In fact, one could make the uh, interpretation that the reason he films all over the world is just to go around the world. That's smart. The more I learn about the kinds of projects he does, the more envious I am of the life that allows him to travel around the world like this. It's very calculating, one, one might say. Well, it is particularly calculated when you take into account that his manager is his wife. So it, it does allow them to travel usually together to these locations. Smart. Smart. Why didn't y'all think of this? I know. Why didn't I get nominated for an Academy Award in the mid-80s? <laughs> that is something I always wonder. Liam, are you interested in Someone Dies Tonight? Have you ever been to Croatia? I've actually never been to uh, mainland Europe. I've been to Ireland, but I've never oh, been yeah? to like the You're actual... saying, Liam O'Donnell, that you've been to Ireland. <laughs> I know. It's crazy, right? Can you believe it? Yeah, no, I, I've been to Ireland, but I've never been to Europe, which... For someone involved in punk and hardcore is ridiculous. Like, all I need is a mildly successful band sure. that could have gone to Europe. But I never did. I never had a You band were in a mildly successful for... band. And if you people no, can hear that, we, they can listen to the all. most recent episode of Eric Roberts is the Fucking Man, which ends with a performance by your mildly successful band. Terrible. Mm -hmm. uh, but I would love to go to Croatia. I think the, the thing I find interesting with the Eric Roberts is, like, <laughs> I would have never thought about Croatian film. You know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't have never stopped to think, like, what is going on? Or recently you reported he was doing a Nigerian film filmed in Jamaica. That's right. Like, thanks to Eric Roberts, I know about that. I would not have known otherwise. It's one of the things, one of the doors that's opened up by your uh, your blood oath on the Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Podcast. Yeah. What, one of the ones that's opened and not one of the many that's closed mm -hmm. because of that mm -hmm. blood oath. Finally on this week's Roberts Report, recently added to the ever-expanding Eric Roberts filmography is 2016's Project 12, The Bunker, from director Jamie Falero, and featuring Eric Roberts as a character named Henderson. The plot involves Russians scrapping a dangerous scientific project designed to change the course of history. A manhunt ensues after the unsuccessful attempt to exterminate all the scientists involved in this top-secret Project. I actually watched the trailer. It looks like it could be a little bit of fun, a little bit of science fiction-y action, though I will say that the Eric Roberts content in that trailer is minimal. Liam, are you looking forward to watching Project 12, The Bunker? Um, I kind of enjoy these sorts of, like, strange action-y, yeah. like it's, you know, straight-to-DVD action-y kind of move. Of, of, of the smaller films that I think Eric Roberts would be fun to watch in. This is a good category of, of film is him just being surrounded by ridiculousness. Something does explode in the trailer. I should, I, that might be a spoiler, but it certainly <laughs> does happen. Kristen Ross, what's the most romantic novel? Oh, the most romantic novel. Mm -hmm. Is it God. one of yours? Well, no, I don't want, I don't want to say that. I mean, oh. mine are great, okay. but I don't want to say the most romantic. That is. Can I say Pride and Prejudice or will everyone be like, oh. Is that the one with the zombies in it? I, I, I need a break. I need to cry for five minutes. <laughs> something like that. Yes, of course you can say Pride and Prejudice. You can say anything on Eric Roberts as a fucking man. Anything is on the table. So I guess Pride and Prejudice is one that we should all pick up. I haven't heard of it before. It's you know, it's really underground. Mm -hmm. It's very obscure. Liam so. O'Donnell, you know about a lot of underground things. Sure. Okay, so you you are aware of Pride and Prejudice. Uh, yes, I've I have I have read it. That is, uh, I'm, I I think I need to revisit it as an adult though. Mm -hmm. uh, it's one of those things that I was required to read ah. and, and uh -huh. sort of did out of obligation, which is a shame because f for whatever reason, anything I had to do out of obligation, I automatically didn't like. 
I can understand that. Liam O'Donnell, did you read the Morrissey novel? I did not. We talked about it on my on Cinepunks a little bit. I hear it's truly terrible, like next level awful, but I have not read it. The sex scenes are just I did read the sex scenes in Morrissey's (laughs) novel and uh, and they really are quite something. Kristen, what makes a good sex scene? Um, maybe you should try to write it like someone who has had sex before ever in their life, mm-hmm. which is not what Morrissey did. Right. And I love Morrissey, but the the novel is kind of an argument for um, a creative, being a creative person doesn't mean that you can do everything. Um, the novel, not great. Not great. I feel like I feel like you're making a big assumption that Morrissey has ever had sex. No, <laughs> she's saying that he hasn't had sex. Oh, that's fair. I I would bet he has not. Well, in fact, I th- I believe he he has stated publicly that he has not. But the the key to writing a sex scene is to forget that anybody's going to read it. Oh, okay. Otherwise, you won't be able to write it. When you're writing a sex scene, and I'm asking you because you're an expert on the subject. Do you have to – is it more difficult to write a sex scene from the perspective of a character who enjoys different things in sex than you do? Um, I would guess so, but it's not any different really from writing a character who enjoys different foods. You know, it's like – it's pretty much the same thing. But I think that it's – I don't know. It's very hard to get used to writing about sex at all in the first place. Which is why you have to forget that anyone's going to read it. <laughs> Especially when I first published, I was like, um, my father and my brother aren't ever allowed to read my novels because <laughs> this is what I do for a living now. So I guess I have that in common with porn stars. Well, speaking of porn stars and sex, after this first break, we're going to be talking about 2006's Fatal Desire, the lifetime television movie that has been picked and chosen and decided upon by Kristen Ross for us to talk about. What do you think about that, Kristen? <laughs> All right. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. She's looking forward to talking about it. So let's take a little break. Let's listen to a little bit of music, a little bit of uh, uh, romantic music. When we return, we'll be talking about 2006's Fatal Desire. Be right back. Lifetime presented a Eric Roberts-based television movie called Fatal Desire, co-starring Anne Heche. Remember Anne Heche? 
Well, you'll remember her after watching this movie. We'll go into the details in just a minute, but Fatal Desire was directed by Ralph Hemmecker, who you may not know the name of, but he's actually done tons and tons of television, including up to today. He actually uh, has directed several episodes of The Flash, the current Flash TV series, as well as Silk Stockings. Pacific Blue, remember these shows? And was a producer on the Witchblade TV series, if you remember that as well. Uh, the film was written by Ray Wright, who went on to write uh, the movie Pulse with Wes Craven, as well as that remake of George Romero's The Crazies from a few years ago. It's actually based on, or inspired by, the true crime book Fatal Error by journalist Mark Morris and Paul Jan Jankowski. I should know that. My wife is Polish. Uh, the book, in turn, was based on the real-life case against Sherry Miller. The film featured two original songs by New Orleans-based singer-songwriter Kristen Diavel and Mark the Cable. Why the fuck am I mentioning any of this? <clears throat> <laughs> so the plot of Fatal Desire involves a 40-something ex-policeman named Joe who initiates an online relationship, uh-oh, with 20-something Tanya Sullivan. Yes, 20-something. Conflicts arise after Tanya flee flies sorry, to Atlantic City to seduce Joe, and she reveals to him that she is married. Fatal Desire from 2006. We have you as a guest, our romance expert, Kristen. What did you think of 2006's Fatal Desire? Fatal Desire mm -hmm. is awful. Oh. Eric Roberts is amazing, <clears throat> of course. But Anne Heche could not pass for 20-something at this point, so the summary is a little off. But Fatal Desire is a nightmare. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to watch stop watching it so bad, <laughs> but I pushed through. Right. Well, that's good. I'm glad that you pushed through. Now let's uh, let's elaborate a little bit on that plot summary a little because it is based on a true story, and uh, and the true story itself is actually something that's very very tragic. Where a woman and a man, not Eric Roberts in real life, a different man, uh, she seduced him as women often do, right? Because that that's what they're known for. Oh yeah. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. and she ended up going to and had like a, a rendezvous with him, even though she was married. Then she led him on for a, a while and said that she was being beaten up by her mobster husband. In fact, she said she was pregnant with not Eric Roberts, the other guy's baby and uh, and tried to convince this guy that she was actually pregnant. But then said that because she was beaten by her mobster husband, she lost the baby in that man's grief. She then suggested that he murder her husband, which he then did. And that is the plot of Fatal Desire from 2006. Liam O'Donnell, what did you think? I I can't remember the last movie I've seen that had that much anxiety about the internet. Like, this is such... <laughs> it's a film at the time. The internet is still new. It's not. People aren't quite sure what's going on. It's 2006. It is not new. <laughs> no, but it, for people who watch Lifetime, it's new. Yes. You know, like, it's they me. don't really under... I mean, even the... The graphic representation of the internet. It just looks like a slightly more red AOL. Like, it's not <laughs> like what was going on on the internet in 2006. And the chat rooms, the way they animate it looks awful. Like, everything about it is just ridiculous. And it's all this anxiety of, you know, on the internet, people can present themselves as not, you know, what they seem. As if there aren't yet search engines where you can actually just search to find oh, out yeah. stuff about people. You know, like the stuff out loud like of course they're gonna have to do that because it's a movie but when they're chatting they're like reading their things out <laughs> yeah. loud and yeah. that's, my favorite part of it is there's a part like when they first meet Anne Heche is like are you a pervert <laughs> and Eric Roberts is like definitely <laughs> <laughs> I like when he's on his computer in like a public place and he's still reading out as he is actively <laughs> trying to have her say sexual things to him <laughs> 
And he's like, hey, I thought you were free today. I mean, he's like in the middle of like a restaurant. Uh, now, of course, Eric Roberts' character, he works at a casino. Uh, and in fact, I guess he's not entirely blameless for what happens because he does try to present himself as the owner of the casino. Um, and there's a great scene in the movie where Anne Hayes, after she's had sex with him, uh, when he then reveals that he's not the owner, that she pretends that she's going to leave him. And he's like, I understand. And then she's like, ah, I'm just kidding. I'll stay here. She's was, like, gotcha. But I guess that's a little bit of like. <laughs> that's a funny joke. It's, a, it's hilarious breaking his heart and destroying his world like that. Right. But uh, but it does give us kind of a little foresight in the fact that she's a quality actress. Um, and uh, and actually, let's follow that a little bit further. Liam, let's go into a little bit more of your thoughts. And what did you think of Anne Heche in this movie? So when she when her character has the turn at the end and she's kind of acting, <laughs> I mean, you, you, it's pretty clear from the beginning that she's not who she presents herself to be. And she has this turn and she gets real tough and hard. I just imagine that's just her being herself. Like, that's how oh, it came across. No. She, just I because like the whole she, movie was Anne Heche playing Anne Heche, because all I kept thinking about was that huge scandal where she like walked to like 12 hours to somebody's house. Uh-huh. Do you guys yeah. remember that? Oh yes. <laughs> you mean the one that destroyed her career? Yeah. Yes. I remember it. <laughs> the whole time she was, I was, I was trying to remember if this was before or after that incident, because if it was after then I'm like, why did you take this role to reinforce your image as a crazy person? If it's before then I'm wondering if the people who made the movie are like, I knew it. I knew she was crazy. <laughs> she was acting on set. Where she wanders outside in her lingerie and she's yep. just like walking down the street like. <laughs> <laughs> now, of course, we're not here. We are not here to damn Anne Hayes. We're here to praise her. Uh, because as you did uh, hint at just then, Liam, she there's a bit of a turn in her character because she's pretending. Sure. She's pretending yeah. that she's lost a baby. She's pretending she has a mob husband because what she really wants is her husband out of her life and the big fat settlement that she get afterwards. Uh, and so she can live a life of leisure. Now, let us talk about the sexual politics <laughs> <laughs> of Fatal Desire, which this one is kind of complex, more complex than it seems because it is based on a true story. And I did a little bit of research on that true story. And the fact is a lot of the details here do reflect what actually happened, at least the broad details. She did uh, pretend that she lost a baby. She did pretend that she had a mob, um, a mob uh, boss as her husband, and she did get someone to kill her husband. Um, as it's presented in this Lifetime movie, it basically just trades in cliches. I- I've written in our notes here that it's like a men's rights activist fantasy, right? Because sure. she is using him from the very first moments of the movie – all she's trying to do is is use him as a means to an end. And after she does that, she turns into, as you suggested, Liam, this cold, heartless, unbelievable witch of a woman where she's just like, I don't care. I don't care. She's like um, uh, <laughs> she's like Lisa in the room, for those who have seen that movie. Sure, yeah. <laughs> and she wears a red dress even, so it's very, very similar. Uh, but it really is an unpleasantly staged movie because of how – it plays into this male fantasy of always being the victim of being preyed upon by women who are just looking to use men. And that was the trouble. That was the biggest trouble I had with this movie. Let's hear your thoughts on that, Kristen. I mean, she even has a butterfly tramp stamp. (laughs) They focus on that butterfly tramp stamp as if to say, see, this is what this one is all about. (laughs) Right. I mean, like there's, 
that seems to be the actual point of the movie because like even at the end that big close up of her her eyes are like black like like yep. a shark's eyes <laughs> like like, like the like, devil's eyes yes exactly black like a shark's eyes but she <laughs> it's insane how tropey she is so even <laughs> even if it's based on a true story there's no way that this woman exists for real and it, like she has no clear motivation because even though they say it's for whatever settlement like what if she buys a living room set with the settlement and like we're supposed with to be like march. okay this was worth she also <laughs> fucked the moving guy so that's something right <laughs> i can't I mean, she, how could she? She knew, of course. I'm sure that she looked up on the website the moving guy's picture, and she was like, this "I'm is moving guy 69. Let's have a little chat right. session." <laughs> I, I, I feel like the I feel like the a lot of the politics are in the casting, mm-hmm. in the sense of so the twenty something, the seductive twenty something is Anne Hache, who's never not given off a crazy vibe in her life. <laughs> so that's like you've already made a decision there. She's not going to be sympathetic at all, and then the the casino idiot who's duped into falling for this really poorly thought out scheme in the first place. <laughs> you put Eric Roberts, who maybe isn't like the smartest guy in the world, but he doesn't come across. You, you definitely could have picked an actor who the whole time you're going, that guy's an idiot. You know, like I can't believe he's fallen for this, but Eric Roberts is a little bit more sympathetic. He's a little bit more soulful. Like, even if this isn't necessary, maybe he's not, uh, <clears throat> The most sympathetic actor, he's certainly more sympathetic. They could have gone with someone who I assume the real guy is a literal idiot. Like, I just assume <laughs> you he's just this giant, awful human who just goes along with this. You know, whereas Eric Roberts, the way Eric Roberts portrays the role, you I mean, I don't love him, but I felt like, oh, man, like, yeah. oh, that poor guy. Like a poor alcoholic divorcee. Yeah, with his oh, son, like, his mop topped son there. Oh, God, that kid, that fucking kid. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, Eric Roberts is obviously meant to be the sympathetic character in this movie. In fact, I think they go a little too far on that because, like you said, Liam, he's a dupe, right? Once, once we as the audience recognize what is going on here, the fact that he isn't recognizing it becomes more and more ludicrous. The big twist, well, one of the big twists in this movie, is that she has sent him a videotape of a sonogram uh, showing what is supposed to be his child. And he's watching. He's like, oh, my goodness. My favorite moment in the movie, by the way, is he sits down ostensibly to jerk off to videos of her. And when he puts it in, he discovers that it's actually a sonogram. <laughs> it's like, oh, uh, complex feelings. Um so he finds out later on that the video is actually 10 years old, which, by the way, would probably explain why in 2006 he has a VHS tape. <laughs> uh, and he brings it to a hospital and he's like, yeah, I want to like he basically he's like, I want to know more about this. And they're like, yeah, look, here's the date. It's over there. So he never looked at the fucking date. And that was her plan, too. It's like, well, he'll never look at the date on the screen the entire time. Right. She obviously thinks that he's an idiot in the first place. Well, and the and the movie when they ghost her kids, like obviously it's they're not trying to be sympathetic when it's she has a child, and then as soon as her husband dies, it's just her fucking young men. Yeah. There's no child around. <laughs> they just disappear you know? from the movie entirely. What happened to Molly? <laughs> Who knows? Yeah, it it is it is very strange. And okay, we're just gonna jump to the ending just for a second here. <laughs> because the ending is completely ludicrous. So Eric Roberts 
overwhelmed with grief at the loss of his relationship and the uh, and, and frankly from the fact that he murdered a man and feels incredibly guilty about it he kills himself he blows his head off in his apartment and uh and then we and Hayes's character because she has given him tons and tons and tons of evidence that could be used against her the police come to her door and she plays like she plays it so cool. It's like I don't know this person at all. This person where there is literal literal videotapes I have sent of me stripping to him and like hundreds of chat uh hours that they've spent together and also all these witnesses that saw them together in Atlantic City. Mountains of evidence against her. She's like, "Oh no, I've never met that person. I don't know that guy." <laughs> They're like, what are your screen names? And she's like, oh, you know, like Tanya or Tanya or Sexy Kitten. <laughs> and she seems shocked that at the end they're like, we've seen the videotapes. We've read. like, And it's like, of course you have passed yourself over to them as the most guilty person in the entire world. It's unbelievable that she thought that this scheme would work because the entire thing is based around this poor, depressed, alcoholic man not – ever admitting that he did this. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I guess, I mean, there is something to be said about the fact that uh, maybe, you know, he, he he would be so terrified about the consequences that he would just keep it a total secret. But uh, but no, that's not what happens. Eric Roberts is an emotional man, and he's particularly emotional in this yeah. movie. Now, before we talk about Eric Roberts' performance, I want to play a little clip from the movie. It is the most, uh, it is, sorry, the the kind of height of tension in the movie. Eric Roberts has come from Atlantic City to the house of Anne Heche after murdering her husband. He's discovered everything that's happening or most of the things that are happening, and he confronts her, and this is what it sounds like. Who is he? Would you calm down? Who is he? <laughs> My boyfriend. Okay, happy now? Emotion. What am I? Go home, Joe. This is 10 years old, 10 years. Was there ever a baby, Tanya? Tell me, was there? And the pool, there is no pool. You said they raped you out back by the pool, but there isn't one, Tanya. He never laid a finger on you, did he? Bruises. How? The bruises in the photo. How'd you do that? It was makeup. You painted them. Oh! Who was he, Tanya? Who did I kill? He sure as hell wasn't some mobster. You didn't kill anybody. As far as I know, it was a robbery that went bad. The emails, BDA junk, you sent those. You pushed all the right buttons, didn't you? Come on, Joe. Why'd you do this? Why'd you do this to me? Go home. You're going to hell for this. <laughs> And that is the that is the emotional. Eric piece. Roberts is actually wearing a fedora in that. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, again, just going back to this idea of this this weird f- fantasy. Maybe fantasy is not the right word, but this weird perception. 
that some particularly damaged men have about how women treat them and how what they're owed from women. But particularly the idea, you know, it's like, uh, you know, she could sniff out my money. This guy who had none, by the way, um, that or that like that, that she took advantage of me from the very beginning. She is like. Yeah, like he lied too, but they just completely gloss over it. He lied because he wanted to convince her to come to Atlantic City. Right. <laughs> so it's okay. But he was but he was like, I never thought that you would actually come, you know. <laughs> so I was the whole time I was just like, This is just about two people with very, very bad impulse control. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, it's it is it's a de- it's a very depressing movie to watch because the ending is so messed up because like the like from the very Maybe not the very beginning, but certainly the halfway point of the movie, as you see Eric Roberts fall into more of a pattern of alcoholism. And there's a scene where his good friend who works at the casino, and she, of course, is presented as the alternative to Anne Hage because she's nice and keeps bailing him out of jail and she's attractive and she's like she she is obviously the perfect person for him and and loves him but he can't see it at all because he's Eric Roberts. Um and so uh, she um she tries to take all of the guns out of his house at one point because he is an ex-police officer and he has a, a startlingly a startlingly large collection of rifles in his house. Uh, so she she tries to leave with all of them, which at that point in the movie, I was like, oh, he's going to kill himself at the end because why else would this be here? And that is exactly what happens. And in fact, the very opening of the movie suggests that that's how it's all going to go down anyway. So it, it really is... Um, Eric Roberts is supposed to be the sympathetic character, but he's such a dope in how mm-hmm. he acts to everything. It's hard to have too much sympathy for him. And also the fact, you know, that that it is combined with his alcoholism, which it even seems to want to justify his alcoholism to some extent because of the damage he's feeling from her. Because all the beginning scenes, he doesn't seem to be, you know, even though he's, he, he mentions that he's an alcoholic, we don't see him kind of reveling in that until after she's done done him dirty. So to speak, right? She gets well, the blame for taking him down. Yeah, exactly, Liam. And and the movie absolves him. I mean, he knows that she's married, and he just doesn't care. Like the movie never gives that any weight. It's just sort of like a right. yeah, yeah, she's married, but whatever. Uh, and then the other thing I I didn't understand about the end. So she's having an affair, and the guy who she had an affair with isn't there to defend himself, and he killed her husband. Why doesn't she just say, oh, my God, I can't believe he killed my husband. That's crazy that he would do that. Right. Like, like the whole I don't even know that guy stance doesn't make as much sense to me as. Sure. Yeah, it's it's crazy. This dude no. killed my husband. Who knew? That's. Uh, oh, wow. Yeah. You know, she had to know that there's proof. Like, even in 2006, no one thought that, like, things on the Internet go away. <laughs> you know, <laughs> but she also sent him physical proof. Right, right. <laughs> it's just non-internet VCR tapes of her with her legs in the air. <laughs> but Liam, you're absolutely right. It would have been so much smarter on her part if she was trying to frame him, or not, well, not frame him. If she was trying to put all the blame on him, just to say, yes, we were having this relationship, and uh, when I tried to break it off, he lost his mind and came up here and did this because it would entirely absolve her, and and it would explain everything. And honestly. It would be almost impossible not to not to go with that, right? Especially because her husband wouldn't be there to get angry. That's one other thing about this movie. They're trying to leave it open in the viewer's mind up to a certain point that what she's saying is true. So the every time they show her husband in any context, he's acting like an asshole. Right. <laughs> he's yelling at her and just being sort of a dick in general. So at first you think that they're, they're trying to justify her sort of running off on him. But later you find out... No, no, she just wanted him murdered. 
I didn't know what the movie was trying to say at that point. Well, and it's worth noting that the intro, when they intro her character, she's out on a the, a night on the town with her girlfriend. Yes. And they even play that scene up like they're flirting. Like, yeah. Like the seeds of her dishonesty is that she's out partying with her friend as if that's somehow not acceptable. And then when we finally see her husband, he like is asleep with his shirt off, yeah. he's hairy, he's snoring. How dare it's he like, be asleep? How dare he be a human being with body hair and <laughs> snore problems? Uh, also, there's a great, amazing, horrific scene right near the end where Eric yeah. Roberts is trying to track her down, so he goes to the bar. And he talks to the bartender. He's like, have you ever heard of this woman before? And the bartender, I can't remember the words that he uses. Um, maybe one of you can. But he basically well, suggests that she's a loose woman. That she says, <laughs> it's, it's worse than that because he says, what's one word that you would use to describe her? And the bartender says, willing. willing. That's right. My God. And also, like, this bartender doesn't know Eric Roberts from Adam, right? So he's just saying that. Right? He's like, so he I'm her brother. Any Joe that walks in. <laughs> just this particular Joe. Anyone that walks in. Yeah. Well, he's encouraging him. He's like, yeah, Willie, man, you should go for it. That's cool. <laughs> Good for you, buddy. Have fun. <laughs> yeah. And all, that, it also, the presentation of that character changes as the movie goes on, like you yeah. mentioned, Liam, at the beginning, she seems fun-loving and flirty, but uh, but vaguely, like it doesn't really condemn her for that action until later on where it's like, oh, no, she's a total slut. That's what she's all about. That is her character in a word. And it's just a really strange switch. It's a really kind of odd tone for a movie anyway because at the end, I didn't know what to feel. I'm like, I'm sort of depressed. I was more depressed about the fact that this was this was based on a true story. But what this comes off like is sort of, a Law and Order episode, except a little bit longer and a little bit more extreme uh, and not as entertaining. <laughs> it felt like the message at the end was that the only thing less trustworthy than women is the Internet. So yes. <laughs> if you combine these two things, then you're just in trouble and you should just never do that. Yeah. Well, as as someone who hosts a podcast presented on the Internet, I have to say I disagree with that quite a bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, let's let's uh, let's move ahead from uh, from Fatal Desire for a moment to oh, talk. Oh, can I add just one more thing? Oh yes, of course. Because this is important. Um, in Fatal Desire, he calls his penis George. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> he does do that. He he says that his dick is named George, and then when she says why, he says because he is so curious. <laughs> Oh, God. It sounds very sexy until you start to apply it to situations when he's by himself. <laughs> and you just have to wonder, like, what do you mean by that? <laughs> okay, I'm done with Fatal Desire. Well, you're not done yet, because first we have to talk about the Eric Roberts performance. Let's start with you, Kristen. What did you think of Eric Roberts as an actor? You mentioned at the beginning that he was the best part of this movie. I mean, yeah, because there was nothing else that was good about it at all. Uh -huh. So... So you kind of just have to like hang on to Eric Roberts being Eric Roberts. But e even so, like, I guess he uh, he threw a lot of fits. So <laughs> that's acting. There's I love there's there's a part where he flips a table um, in Fatal Desire. But I noticed immediately afterwards that the table looked like it was meant to have glass in it. <laughs> there was no glass in it at all. <laughs> So he just, I mean, he did a lot of, um, a lot of crying. Mm -hmm. 
<laughs> that, that, that is the eternal memory of his performance here. He does a lot of crying. He's done a lot of crying. <laughs> it'll, it'll make for a nice counterpoint to the movie we'll be talking about in a few minutes. Liam O'Donnell, <laughs> what did you think about Eric Roberts' performance in Fatal Desire? It's good. I, I don't I don't prefer mopey, sad Eric Roberts. Uh-huh. I like I like more assertive, <laughs> slightly menacing Eric Roberts and this sort of like Oh, everything. Even like when he's happy, like even when him when when he's with her and he hasn't yet figured out that she's going to destroy his life. Even that Eric Roberts is not great because every scene ends with them be, with him being like, "Just leave him for me," and it, it's never, <laughs> it's it, it's never, it always there's. It's almost like Eric Roberts' performance is informed by the fact that he knows as an actor. He's going to kill himself. So every scene has to end in a way where you're like, that guy's going to shoot himself. Like that's <laughs> nothing. It's I don't know. Anyways, all that to say, he's great in a way, but I don't like him in this kind of role. I'd rather see him in something else. One final thing I want to mention, uh, as we said briefly before, Eric Roberts character in this movie has a son, a little mop top chubby old son. And uh, that, that about three quarters of the way through the movie, the son Fed up with the fact that his father is an alcoholic and barely shows up and basically the kid is taking care of himself full time. Uh, he goes to live with his mother. Now, I don't know why he was living with his alcoholic dad in Atlantic City anyway, but the kid goes to the airport to go on a plane so he can go live with his mother. And Eric Roberts goes to, tries to stop him, like comes to the airport, and the kid basically says, you know what? This is what's best. I'm going to go see mom. Very you know, sensible about the whole thing. So in the context of the movie, like a week later, his dad kills himself. <laughs> so I bet that kid's gonna be fucked up for the rest of his life. That kid made the only adult decision that was made in that movie. <laughs> well, and also the kid has a double uh, be blamed for it because there's a scene where Anne Hayes wasn't isn't sure if she should sleep over at their house while they're making like hamburgers, and the kid's like he overhears it. He's like, "No, it's okay. You make my dad happy." And it's like, "Well, you were fucking wrong about that kid." <laughs> well, let's finish off our discussion on Fatal Desire. By uh, by talking about the question, the title of this very uh, podcast, whether this movie uh, confirms or refutes the idea that Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Let's start with you, Kristen. Does this confirm or deny that Eric Roberts is the fucking man? Um, I'm going to have to say that this one would deny that he is the man. Ba-boom. What? Mm. I mean, he's he's going to be redeemed by the next one. Spoiler alert. <laughs> Liam, <laughs> confirm or refute? I think I actually, despite my distaste for this movie, have to go with confirm because I just feel like he's the only person doing any acting in this movie. <laughs> Maybe the woman playing his friend. She's OK. <laughs> but for the most part, this movie's just Eric Roberts surrounded by dead zones or weirdos. So, you know, <laughs> that's a lot of weight to carry. I'm going to go with he's the man. Eric Roberts as a uh, casino employee in Atlantic City smoothing it up with all these ladies in the evenings coming home on until dawn chatting with these uh, random people on the internet forming relationships that allow him to be manipulated into murdering someone's husband i have to say eric roberts is of course the fucking man in 2006's fatal desire but i will i will echo the thoughts of our guest today that maybe our next feature will be featuring eric roberts in a more manly fucking manly performance. Uh, I guess we'll find out about that. Let's take a little break, hear a little bit more music, and when we come back, we're going to be talking about 2015's Stocked by My Doctor, and folks, you are going to want to hear this one. Uh, Yeah, yeah. Come back with us in just a minute.
Near the end of 2015, I started to get a lot of messages over on Twitter about a movie featuring Eric Roberts called Stalked by My Doctor, a lifetime television movie featuring Eric Roberts as a doctor who stalks somebody. And in fact, I think on a previous episode, we went over what the plot of Stalked by My Doctor was, and the plot summary that we read was completely wrong. That's not what this movie is. This movie is something different. This movie is something much more <coughs> special. This is amazing. Stock by My Doctor might be the most pleasant, if not uh, exhilarating, experience I've had watching a movie in the year 2016 so far. And we're going to talk about it in just a second. Stock That's a crazy claim. Well, I'm saying it. It is rather early in the year, but I'm saying it all the same. Stock by My Doctor was directed by Doug Campbell, who started his career with the sequel to the Scott Bayo vehicle Zapped. As Zapped Again, you might know. Uh, and now specializes in cheesy made-for-TV movies, including, get some of these titles, Sugar Daddy... Dirty Teacher, and <laughs> the similarly themed Stocked by My Neighbor, which also came out in 2015, and now I have to check out. He not only directed this, he also wrote it. And the plot is about a doctor's obsession with a teenage patient turning violent and dangerous. Stocked by My Doctor 2015 is amazing, but maybe that's just how I feel. Let's start with you, Liam. What did you think of Stocked by My Doctor? Uh... It is ridiculous. It's a ridiculous movie. Is it? Um, it's so much fun. Uh, I don't know that I am in love with it as you are. Oh. I, I feel like you are overjoyed oh. with the levels of <laughs> craziness. Um, but I was definitely amused by it the entire time. I think I realized midway through the movie that uh, most of the beginning of the movie was just awkward enough that I was uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And then the awkwardness sort of tipped over into a kind of uh, caricatured insanity that all of a sudden I was amused by it and I enjoyed myself again. But the beginning of the movie, uh, Eric Roberts' doctor character was making me severely uncomfortable. To, mm -hmm. to, I, and, and I don't know why in movies like this, I, it's not that I'm rooting for the creep, but the creep is always not just creepy, but like really bad at being creepy. Sure. So I keep having to see them be awkward. Mm -hmm. And I just want to be like, yo man, like you're not even good at being awful. Like, <laughs> come on. Like, why are you doing this right now? I don't know. Something about it makes me feel really bad. It, it, it reminds me, I had a really visceral reaction when I was a kid to seeing um, the talented Mr. Ripley. Sure. That movie made me want to die. Really, really, wow. like really terrible. I hated it. It made me so uncomfortable, which is probably good. It probably means that was a, that's a positive of it. But uh, this movie started to make me feel that way, and then it slipped over into silliness in a way that I really enjoyed. Okay, well, I'm going to echo some of your thoughts while going. I'm going to pitch it up a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and say that this movie is insanity from beginning to end. Particularly because of Eric Roberts as Dr. Beck, the famous cardiologist or whatever, <laughs> <laughs> the famous doctor who no one seems to notice is a complete psychopath and everything he does suggests it. And he, he even from the very beginning of the movie, there is a strong indication that he's lost his mind because every time something bad happens to him, he reacts incredibly violently. My favorite <laughs> scene in the movie of, of many involves him... Bringing an American girl doll 
<laughs> like showing up in, at the mall where this patient that he's obsessed with, this high school student, he shows up with this doll because earlier he has snuck in her room and rolled around in her bed and noticed all those dolls around. So he <laughs> thought it would be a good idea to buy her one. He brings it to her, but she's like, you know, this is really inappropriate. We, we, I can't do this. And she leaves. So he goes into the bathroom and beats the shit out of the doll. <laughs> <laughs> We've all been there. And it is incredible. It, uh, it might be tied with my two other favorite scenes. One, where uh, Sophie, who is the, uh, the girl that he is obsessed with, her boyfriend, who's one of the only people who's kind of suspicious about what's going on, he starts to figure things out. I think he's jumping the gun a little, but he figures it out, goes to the doctor's house while he's on crutches, or on a crutch at least, and the doctor, he tries to like basically beat the shit out of Eric Roberts, who, because this guy is, is handicapped because of his, uh, his injury, he ends up taking, <laughs> taking the crutch and <laughs> whirling it through the air, throwing <laughs> it away, and just leaving the guy with no way to get out of there uh, on the front of his house, and it's beautiful and the one other thing is after a unfortunately botched dinner date where eric roberts character comes on a little strong by saying the person he's just met that they should have a bunch of children together and move to a foreign country and she's really not into that you know uh he goes he loses his mind and starts screaming at her and in fact before we get to your thoughts on the movie Kristen, i gotta play that audio clip because it's the greatest thing i've ever heard in really the history of the universe it's amazing i think you need to see a therapist you're right thank you <laughs> thank you for an enlightened analysis you fat ass bitch tell you what what i'll go to bellevue and then you can go straight to hell after your future a life of a paradise and what do you do you throw it back in my face who do you think you are Get away from me. Oh, I'll stay away from you. Women your age, you think you know everything, don't you? Touch me or call the cops. I don't need to touch you. I don't need you. There's a girl at my work. She's young. She's beautiful. I take care of her. She needs me. I take care of her. I save her life. And she has to come in DC to appreciate what I've done for her. She listens to me. So go ahead. Run. I don't care. Good luck getting a boyfriend, because I'm not interested. I'm unfriending you. <laughs> I mean, holy shit. Just the most amazing collection of pieces of dialogue there. Kristen, what did you, what did you think of 2015 Stuck by My Doctor? Oh my god, is this a barn burner. This movie is amazing. Like, I can't I don't even know. It's just, it's perfect. Like, even the ending is perfect. It's just pitch perfect. We'll get to the ending. But um, when I look at my notes from when I was watching it, it's just like, ah, ew, ugh. <laughs> <laughs> like, there are, there are so many things. Like, from the beginning, I was just thinking, the American justice system really fails women. No kidding. It's just, like, allowed to walk around. Because it's never... You never get to see him being normal. It's just from the beginning, like pretty much he operates on her and then he leans in and he's like, <laughs> like he just plants one on her right there. Like it's, it never, it's 
from the beginning, it's clear that this guy should not be walking around. We never get to see Dr. Albert Beck before he became a monster. <laughs> Though we, we, had, we do hear he's one of the most respected doctors in the country. Right, and we do see a little weird montage of like him standing with people in the medical profession <laughs> or like speaking at a podium. But like that's all that we see of him being normal. Normal in quotation marks. Like... But he's just the grossest from beginning to end. Like you, even the expressions on his face, you would think that people around him would be like, he is really weird looking at that girl weird. Or like somebody would report him for yelling in the restaurant when he screams that he's going to unfriend that. Like the only person that ever notices is Sophie's mom, thank God, until her boyfriend <laughs> starts noticing. But like the whole time I'm like, why won't you listen to her mom? Like the, best, the best thing about now that you were just going to mention it anyway, but her mom... You know, because the doctor, when he becomes um, uh, really inappropriate, Sophie's response is a reasonable response, which is to say to her mom, you know, this happened to me. It made me really uncomfortable. And her mom rightfully said, that is really inappropriate. We should stop seeing him as a doctor. And her husband's like, he's the best doctor in the company. Uh, the company. He's the best doctor in the country. We got us. We have to stick with him. Who cares? You know, boys will be boys. That's exactly. Her dad's like, oh, give him a chance. Come on, give him a chance. <laughs> and it, there's, it's like a great actual like teaching moment sure. in the middle of this film where like her her mom's like, no, you can't just say boys will be boys. Like you realize that that is, that means that you're saying that men can't control themselves. She actually says that. And I'm like, wow, that's yeah. a, that's something that people do need to think about because men say, at least men apparently like Sophie's dad who were like, give this creep a chance. Yes, that's right. <laughs> now, uh, let's just go into the plot a little bit in a little bit more detail. So what happens is that Sophie, at the beginning of the movie, her and her boyfriend are driving together. He uh, is texting while driving. Werner Herzog would be very upset about that. And they crash, and uh, they both almost die in this uh, accident, though she's more injured than he is. She gets operated on by Eric Roberts, Dr. Beck. Uh, he saves her life and uh, becomes immediately unpleasantly attached to her. And then as she returns to him uh, while she's getting her treatment, he becomes more and more obsessed. He uh, tries to pursue other relationships outside of this, but as we heard in that audio clip, they don't go very well. Every time he's rejected by Sophie, he loses his mind. There's a great part where he goes into an alleyway and beats up a bunch of boxes and just falls down. While screaming, I'm a doctor. I'm a doctor. Like, because he clearly can't understand why women don't love him because he is a doctor and he's not creepy at all. I mean, it really is thematically the polar opposite of fatal desire, right? Because this is a person who demands that women pay attention to him and to love him because of the status that he's achieved in his life. And when they reject him, he thinks that uh, he blames them entirely because there yeah. can't possibly be anything wrong with him. The other thing I mean, I'm, ended sorry, up I'm, being MRA double feature. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he has a strong point, though. He is a doctor. I, I mean, mean, let's yeah. not forget <laughs> that he is. And just because he's old and is still trying to date 20 year olds and 17 year olds, Liam. <laughs> yeah, no, that's true. But even on his dates, none of these women are his. It's not like he's ever on a date with someone his age and it goes poorly. <laughs> Even the people he's trying to date in a non-stalker way are also too young for him. Yes. And he's not, again, 
part of the weirdness here is he's already so old. So how long has he been dating? It's like it's almost like he's spent like 35 to 40 years going on shitty dates and yelling at people. Right. Like, like, has he what ever the fuck? Sex once we don't know. Yeah. <laughs> And, and that uh, that audio clip we played, by the way, that takes place in the middle of a restaurant where they're surrounded by oh, people. It uh, it really is. I mean, it is such a ludicrous movie. It's crazy, right? I mean, there's just nothing that that exists See, in the world that we live in. But like you suggested, Kristen, there are messages here which are actually fairly positive yeah. messages. Even the fact, and this was something that actually surprised me. We're going to jump ahead to the ending a little bit here. You should before, seek before out before we get to the ending. Mm-hmm. I just want to mention that you talked briefly about the part where he goes to her house. So like he goes to her house and gets <laughs> in and like, it's, it's a trope that stalkers smell clothes, but sure. like they don't always smell doll clothes. No. <laughs> so like he takes one of the American girl doll, like thing and like puts it up to his face. And he's like, Oh, so like he's breathing and then he starts rolling around in her bed. And the whole time I was just thinking, oh, my God, this is lifetime. Please don't masturbate. Yes. Like I kept thinking, is he really go? No, they can't show something like that. Like, but instead they show him imagining that she's like on top of him. But I was still thinking. Well, we know what that is suggesting. Yeah. Yeah. That's what they're implying, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Absolutely. All, All I could think the whole time was like. Don't sniff her underwear. Don't sniff her underwear. <laughs> like I just thought that's what they were gonna, where they were going to go, and I was like, please God, no! Like I, I, I could not get that image out of my head if that existed. I like and the doll clothes made me feel worse because like the underwear sniffing is like something I would expect from a creepy ass right. stalker. Like the doll clothes, I was just like, oh, <laughs> <laughs> that's another level of creepy. I just like like what was his end game in that sequence where he breaks into her house, goes up into her bedroom. Rolls around on all of her all of her uh, uh, sheets and stuff, and like like disrupts her entire room. Hides in the closet while her and her boyfriend come there, and and she comes home and she's like, "Huh, my my room is messy," and doesn't think about it for another second. It's amazing. Oh my god, my room is a mess. And he gets like, out she, without getting she caught. Have to concentrate on her boyfriend though, because they had to like kind of get into it so that you could see Eric Roberts' eye through the doorway, being like, "Oh, oh, oh." <laughs> so from this scene, Eric Roberts notices that her and her boyfriend, you know, they're pretty close. They're uh, they're getting uh, hot and heavy in front of him while he's in the closet. So what he decides to do is to throw a little wrench in that. So while her boyfriend is getting his leg checked out at the hospital, he steals the boyfriend's phone. <laughs> And sends a text to the boyfriend's friend saying, and this is incredible. Uh, I don't have the exact text in front of me, but I'm sure we'll all be able to piece it together. He writes from the perspective of the boyfriend to his friend. He can't believe the scar that Sophie has under her tit. Now, tit is what he writes, uh, but it's blurred out. It's blurred out. <laughs> I, it's, like the bride of Frankenstein. That's right. I feel like I'm dating the bride of Frankenstein. <laughs> And we see the guy receive the text, and he gets the confused look on his face, which is so amazing. It's like, huh? What? And Sophie totally believes that her boyfriend sent this text. I just love that the wording he decided to use, she has a scar under her tit. I feel like I'm dating the bride of Frankenstein. He he makes sure to that it's the left tit, you know? Like, you've got to be... <laughs> like, that's... It would be like, is this maybe sent by her doctor? Right. Because <laughs> <laughs> left tit is such a medical term. 
The creepiest scene, by the way, is one very early on, uh, before Sophie really starts um, suspecting that Dr. Beck has a weird fascination with her, where he's, like, rubbing an ointment on her scar. Um, and which is a very small scar, by the way, it's strangely small, but it, yeah. that one, that's the moment in the movie that I felt, I think the most uncomfortable just because of, uh, well, the fact that she was underage, but also the implication, like the door is closed and, uh, and he's being all fucking gross and sweaty and disgusting. <laughs> and then her mother comes in. It's like, it, what did she have like a nurse in there with him? And she's like, no, should he have? And she's like, yeah. And guess what? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like he leans over and he's like. Just lift up your pajamas for me. I know. <laughs> it's it feels weird to laugh about something that is ostensibly incredibly disturbing. And if it happened in the it's, real world, it would be it, horrific. But this is not based on a true story. This is based on the weird <laughs> fucking <laughs> fucked up thoughts of its director, and he's made something really entertaining. Uh, <laughs> now, Liam, let me before I actually do talk about the ending. What was your favorite moment in Stock by a Doctor? By my doctor, I mean, I, say. I mean, I really do think the the scene you described with the crutch is pretty key, like that, <laughs> especially when he just throws it. And then the, it's not just that scene, but the way it's filmed that they're like, oh, well, the audience isn't going to be able to figure out how difficult it's going to be for him to get to his car. So we should show an extended shot of him trying to figure out how to get to his car. And let's see so how they let's really see how far understand. Eric can throw this fucking crutch. Yeah. And and you know the, the, that and the doll those were pretty those were pretty uh pretty key scenes. But I have to say the alley where he's beating up trash and yelling "I'm a doctor" is like that's some sick shit. Like that's that's really it's really down great. Crying on the ground. Um, I gotta say though, like I, you know, you're about to just I don't want to ruin it, but you know, I I was not totally satisfied by the ending. Okay. I felt like I the know. ending kind of stretched out for me. Okay, well, why don't you, uh, why don't you describe the ending to us, Liam? Well, so he uh, he basically kidnaps her and fakes her death. He fakes using her a death. Cadaver. He steals a dead body. Just steals a dead body. Sets, crashes the car. Sets it on fire and just fakes her death by he putting crashes. a ring on its finger. No, it has a similar ring already to her ring. Yeah. He crashes her car uh, <laughs> at very low speed into a light pole and then sets the car on fire. <laughs> With this cadaver inside. Then he drugs her, keeps her at his house. Her sleuth boyfriend just is just like, this doesn't make any sense. Her, The boyfriend and the mom go to his house and still can't discover that she's there because she's in like a like a thing at the end. of it's If you think she's in the house, right? And at the end of the bed, there's a container big enough just big enough for her to be in. Don't you say, hey, open this container up and then we'll leave. They don't do that. And then she gets out uh, on her own. Now, the, there is a satisfying moment where she hits Eric Roberts' character with a golf club. That was pretty cool. A few times. Uh, a few, Yeah, a few times. And then she shows up at her own funeral. <laughs> I love that. That I liked. I guess it was – I felt like the whole being trapped by Eric Roberts thing. I was like, God, Jesus. Like, first of all, that he just keeps her at his house for a while. He's like, we'll go soon, but not yet. But we'll go soon. <laughs> You'll sleep the whole way. It'll be fine, uh, uh, but but as un, as I felt like that was a little drawn out. Her showing up at her own funeral was pretty pretty solid. So that was pretty good. It just ramps up because you're like every time you think you it can't get any crazier, <laughs> no. it goes and gets crazier because like after he does all that and then he kidnaps her and then they try to find that you think they might find her, but 
then they don't and he like threatens to cut off her arms and legs like and even goes to the point where like he gets out all of his surgical supplies yes i i'm gonna cut off all your arms and legs and you are just gonna i guess for the rest of your life be my legless armless bride um because you're never going to tell anybody that I did all of this in my mind where like, and she tries to escape when it, the part that you were talking about where like, she does like fight back a little bit, which is really satisfying, mm-hmm. but like she gets him to untie her by like pretending that she's like going to be okay with this. <laughs> and she's like, I just want to see what it feels like. And you must know how to do this stuff and he's like well i don't want to brag (laughs) (laughs) but i did take a whole semester of gynecological studies (laughs) that i really do think his character has never had sex like that (laughs) it's a suggestion i have in the movie is that he's like no i actually have no idea what i'm doing (laughs) but uh but yes so what happens is that she does escape she's tied to his bed she doesn't escape in that scene. She does try to stab him, and that's when he makes the threats about uh, about cutting off her arms and legs. And they're not just empty threats because then he goes downstairs and gets all of his surgical equipment, which he has on one of those knife bundles for some reason. Uh, the cops find it afterwards. <laughs> it's all still laid out. And she escapes and beats the shit out of him with a golf club, which really is very satisfying because I thought – that once the boyfriend started to figure shit out, that it was going to be like, oh, of course, it took a man to recognize yeah. what was going on and he'll discover it. But no, she did it on her own steam, which actually made me feel really good because also yeah, like, I was too. worried that Eric Roberts wasn't going to get a beating <laughs> that he <laughs> that he severely deserved at that point. But no, he, he got the he got the uh, he got the golf club to the head a bunch of times. Um, yeah. Now, that said, after the the funeral crashing, there is a final scene where we discover that Eric Roberts has gone down to uh, Mexico and, uh, and is it's basically got away scot-free and is going to uh, obsess over somebody else, which yeah. usually I'd feel very, that that was incredibly unsatisfying, but it could set up stocked by my doctor too. So, <laughs> so I'm going to, I'm going to be okay with that until we discover whether that's going to be the case or not. That was the only part that was disappointing to me because like it was rad that she ended up getting a like being able to save herself, which is like that's subversive for a lifetime movie. Sure. I didn't, like um I didn't expect that, so I thought that was awesome. And then her showing up at her own funeral was <laughs> perfect. Because like also that played on the romance tropes with me because like when her boyfriend finally saw her, they were he goes like running towards her and I was like, Yeah, I like how everyone just kind of like embraces and it's like, oh, what a sweet moment without right. asking any questions about, sorry, were you like continually abused and raped over the past like two weeks while we thought you were dead? And it's like, right? I mean, there, there's so many questions. When someone shows up at their own funeral, the first thing should be questions. The second thing should be, let's let's all have a nice family moment. Yeah, they went straight to like high fives and hugs. Yeah. And I'm like, isn't anyone going to stop and be like, wait, what is going on right now? <laughs> should we be calling the police about something maybe? That's I actually said to I had to I stopped the movie and I said to my husband because I had been kind of giving him a play by play of what was happening. And I was like, if I was in this situation, forgive me, but I think I would drive to the police. first, Right. And then I would be reunited with everybody. But I think that I would want to get to a police station and be like, you need to find this crazy guy who is unconscious at his house because I kicked his fucking ass. (laughs) I I thought to say I I really did think like drive straight to the police station. Yes. Yeah. 
<laughs> he, he got away. And that was the only bummer part of it to me is because I was thinking the funeral was like a great tropey thing to do and fun. But like if she would have driven to the police station first, maybe Eric Roberts wouldn't be in Cabo <laughs> for his next victim. Also, wouldn't getting hit in the face with a golf club, say, three or four times, you think that would do some pretty severe damage. But he seemed pretty yeah. all right at the end. And I mean, she took his car. Yeah. So how did he even get to the airport that quickly? Right. And access to the money that he must still have, right? Unless he just has it all in cash, which honestly, yeah. that character, you can kind of believe that, that maybe is the yeah. case. <laughs> didn't have time to put his name on a list so that he couldn't get on a flight. <laughs> Like, nothing like that happened. So it's it, the ending kind of, there are a bunch of holes in it. Oh, but no like... kidding. <laughs> well, the, the end, it will, it felt like a horror movie ending. It felt yeah, like he's true. like the killer. And if you notice, he was actually s- very creepily repeating to himself, she's going to show up. She's going to show up. Like, <laughs> yeah. he's not waiting for a new victim. He's waiting for her. He's like, sure, she hit me with a golf club, but she's going to come visit me. And I think that's supposed to be unsettling. And it's uh, not not that the movie is tonally perfect, but it's the one crazy decision in the movie that I thought, well, that doesn't work. Like that's not. Come on. It's meant to imply that like he has just gone so far over the edge that he thinks that she's going to eventually join him in Cabo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh. It seemed to suggest that, which is why I felt like I was like, oh, that was a that's a poor decision. That's a poor. I wouldn't have gone for that. What I would have gone for is like a a nightmare sequence with her where he shows up and then she wakes up. That would have been sick. Look at you. That is a horror movie trope. But yes, if we do get a sequel, all is forgiven. Folks, we've run out of time, so we need to talk about right now whether eric roberts is or is not the fucking man in this movie i'm gonna start with you liam this time is the fucking man is not the fucking man let us know amazingly strongly very creepily the man in this movie he is this movie i mean she's yeah. like the, the the actress who plays sophie is fine i actually followed her on twitter afterwards it was funny that as i was watching this i discovered that it was actually airing again on lifetime at the same time i was watching it <laughs> Uh, and so there were tons and tons of people talking about it, and we're very excited about what they were watching. Uh, I want a hundred more movies just like this, all featuring Eric Roberts uh, playing a very similar kind of sleazy dirtbag asshole role, where at the end he gets his just desserts. That would be so awesome. Uh, Kristen, what did you think? Is he the fucking man I in this movie? Completely agree. I like fucking a. Is he the man? Like he. <laughs> this I really didn't think I was going to enjoy either of these because like I know what a Lifetime movie is. There's a reason why I had never watched a Lifetime movie (laughs) before I watched these to talk to you guys about them. But I seriously enjoyed the shit out of this because of Eric Roberts. Like it, there's no way I would have ever like started watching this on my own, but I'm so glad that I did. Like it was just amazing, stupid fun. Like if you think too hard about it, actually, (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> not fiction then you can't enjoy it but like as a as a like hour and a half movie it was great it kept my interest eric roberts was amazing like i'm gonna quote i'm unfriending you <laughs> like, so yes the fucking man absolutely it's funny that my impression of what a lifetime movie was was something like fatal desire right or very much a rip from the headlines but kind of uh exploitation based uh, a recreation of actual events or just something that was ridiculous but not fun. But this is a camp 
classic movie. I mean, this is a movie where everything is pitched to such a ridiculous extent, it's hard not to be entertained by it. And though Liam was not as entertained by the two, uh, by the movie as the two of us were, I think even you, Liam, recognize that th- this is not supposed to be existing in a universe that we live in. This is a, a universe <laughs> where where a doctor, <laughs> where a world-renowned doctor can be a visible psychopath and nobody notices. <laughs> so I'm going to, yes, of course, agree with the both of you that Eric Roberts is the fucking man. And to some extent, this movie, it really helped reinforce my faith in Eric Roberts as a, as a leading man, modern actor, uh, because if in so many of the roles that we see in him have played in the last few years, they're such small parts, but he is the lead here, right? He is the main attraction and he hits it out of the park or throws it out of the park over <laughs> and over. <laughs> yeah, no, you've got to go out of your way to see Stalked by a Doctor from 2015. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, if you do live in a location where Lifetime is accessible, you'll be able to see it on a replay, or you can track down a copy like I did. Folks, we need to take our final break, and when we return, we're going to do some plugging. You can find out a little bit more about our guest's work, and uh, and we'll be right back. My love, there's only you in my life, the only thing that's right. My first love, your every breath that I take, your every step I make. better way to celebrate the month of love than two lifetime television movies featuring eric roberts yes we talked about fatal desire from 2006 and stocked by my doctor the modern classic stocked by my doctor from 2015 i want to give a massive thanks to Kristen ross for sitting in and talking about the romance elements of these movies with us (laughs) thank you guys it was so fun thank you for inviting me it was amazing fun it was our pleasure now Tell us more about these books you have and the way that people can get them. Okay. My first one is called A Man Above Reproach, and that's the one that gives me the right to be like, I'm an award-winning author. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Which I I had mentioned, of course, Jane Austen, and it's sort of like a riff on Regency novels like that. It's But but there's a brothel in it, so I always try to put in a little twist. and that one has been available, and you can find that you can find both of them easily by typing Evelyn Price, which is my pen name, into Amazon, or you could just type in the name of my new one, and everything will come up, which is the Thirteenth Earl, and that one is a Gothic Victorian about a 
group of people at a country house party that hear a wailing woman and then things go, of course, crazy from there. There are seances in it. It's about spiritualism and love because everything I write is about love. (laughs) And if people want to keep up on your work via social media, is there a way to do that as well? Yes. um, You can follow me as Evelyn Price on Twitter if you just want the regular author stuff or the the part of me that we're talking to now, Kristen Ross, is <laughs> at Baronettas, and that I actually tweet way more on at Baronettas. And I'm sure that you could probably just go to Doug's feed and like look down a few, and there, there's us talking to each other. It's pretty easy to find. <laughs> I tweet quite a bit, as some people have noticed over the last couple of days. Uh, but uh, of course, we'll also link your social media accounts and links to where you can purchase these books in the show notes as well. Liam O'Donnell, what a pleasure it is for you to join us, even though you're not feeling that great. Oh, I'm glad we got to talk about these. These were fun movies to discuss. Yes, I think so too. Liam, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, if they want to start a chat, like relationship with you, perhaps. <laughs> oh well, uh, I'm I'm in the uh, married and frisky room. Uh, no, no, no. Uh, on tw- on Twitter, I'm at Liam Rules. Uh, I spell rules correctly, so that's R U L Z. If you do R U L E S, that's some other loser, and I don't like him. Um, and uh, you can find uh, all the various things I do at Cinepunks.com. Right. And of course, you can find my writing over at dailygrindhouse.com. You can find me on Twitter at Doug underscore Tilly. That's T-I-L-L-E-Y. And you can find Eric Roberts is the fucking man over at ericrobertsistheman.com and also on Twitter at E-R-I-T-F-M. There's always exciting things happening there, as well as a few animated GIFs that I created of some of my favorite moments from Stocked by My Doctor, <laughs> which you should go over and check out right now. But un- unfortunately, sadly... We've come to the end of this romantic excursion that we've had together. We need to bid, bid adieu to, <laughs> to us, to us, to you, the loyal audience. We'll be back in a couple of weeks with two more Eric Roberts classics. Join us then. Good night, everybody. Bye. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man. Eric Roberts is the fucking man If there's anything that you can do Eric Roberts fucking can